Hello, and welcome to the 82nd episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. My name is Samantha Blackman, and I am joined tonight uh, by a almost full <laughs> panel of uh, Not Your Mama's Gamer co-hosts, uh, Alex Lane, uh, Jennifer Lynn, Sarah Nixon, and Wendy Sierra. Hello. Shall we introduce ourselves, ladies? What order do you want to go first? Well, uh, I'll go first. I was going to say the order. So we'll see. How about Alex? <laughs> we all choose different orders, though. Yeah, I know that's why. Um, yeah. My name is Dr. Alex Lane, PhD, MD, <laughs> JD. Um, and I am a professor of technical communications at Metropolitan State University, which I will never get tired of saying. Um, and uh, I study uh, video games and the video game industry and uh, company policies related to issues like gender in um, in the in technology-based industries. And uh, tomorrow's my six-year anniversary. Oh yay! Yeah. Oh wow! I know, right? I think we're beating some sort of odds. I don't really know. Uh, and I'm still homeless, but for the moment, for the actual moment, I have a home base enough. You can see my lovely in-laws. You're place. in a log cabin. Um, I am. That's pretty fantastic. Indeed. Hands down, without a doubt, no joke. There's deer running by outside the window as I speak. Um, and uh, and yeah, so uh, that's that's what I'm doing. I'll have a house on the thirtieth. So. Um, I'll go. Here we go. I'll go. Uh, I'm Jen Justice. I am a second year PhD student in rhetoric and comp at Purdue University. Um, I study writing and pedagogy and video games, um, especially in how they all relate to each other. Nice. Yay. Sarah? Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm Sarah. I am a recent graduate of Purdue University with a, a, a double major in creative writing and professional writing. Um, and currently, I feel like I'm suffering from paint fumes because our house just got repainted, and it's very strong smelling. <laughs> I can't escape. So you're it. not drinking this week, but you're huffing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Apparently. Yes. Wendy, by proxy. <laughs> I am Wendy Sierra. I'm a professor of English and Digital Cultures and Technologies at St. John Fisher College in New York. And I am the proud owner of an awesome new desk set in my office. Uh, after kicking us out Ooh. for like a month and a half to redo the carpet and take up the asbestos. Uh, oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah, a plus. I'll get out, fine. Um, Everybody yeah. in Heavilon is jealous. Yeah, I got all new <laughs> yeah, like a whole new setup and everything. I figure that, you know, now that I've stuck around for a year, they're like, okay, she's going to stay. We might as well give her the good crap. Um, <laughs> might as well take away the asbestos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess if we're keeping her. We might as well not kill her with asbestos. Yeah. <laughs> we have an office couch now, which I'm super excited about. All right. About. Nice. Yes. Office napping ready. Okay. And, uh, well, we'll start with the usual uh, what you're playing, what you're reading, what you're drinking, which is always the very important question. <laughs> the of the most week. important. <laughs> um, 
the most important question, I think. Um, and uh, we'll start. We'll go with the same order. I won't. Uh, not with me going first, but with. Uh, how about Alex? You tell us what you're playing this week, hon. Uh, sure. Uh, let's see. So I played uh, a game called Farm for Your Life, which I have since finished. Um, I meant to do it as the indie game of the week last week, but um, I ended up not making the podcast. But I did write a review on it. Um, but that's going to be my indie game of the week this week to talk about. So I won't talk about that yet. I also finished Tropico Five, um, which uh, came out what like a month and a half ago, something like that, two months ago. Whenever I became homeless, that came out because you can play it without an internet internet connection. So I've been playing it quite a bit, um, and I just love that game. I love the Tropico games. It's exactly the same as Tropico Four. Did anybody else play Tropico? Nope. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly the same. So if you like I it, did. then that's your game. But it's not new. Okay, so Sam, you 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 get it then. It's identical. Like you know, Civ, they change some stuff. They keep it essentially the same. But literally, this was like if they had made an expansion pack before, it'd be five. So it was good, but um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot crazy there. Um, <laughs> the other thing I played was Storm. Has anybody played Storm? Nope. No, no, I think I saw it though. Yeah, it's an indie game. It's been on my wish list forever, but it was ten bucks, so I've been waiting for it to go on sale, and it's on sale for I think like five more hours tonight. So probably by the time people see this, it won't be on sale anymore. But it was on sale for like seventy-five percent off for like two dollars. Um, so I got it. So the idea is, it's like an indie game. Uh, you control the elements. So you start off, you get like one wind burst every like 10 seconds and you try to get a seed to fall or there's like a pear on a tree and you're trying to get that pear to fertile soil so like you're the elements and you're trying to procreate the earth and like make it beautiful so you like control the wind to try and blow the seed into the fertile soil and then eventually you do the rain so you try and get the rain to like drop the drop the seed and then you know, raise the water level up to get the seed to float to fertile soil, etc., etc. Um, it it's supposed to be like amazing and tranquil. It's beautiful. There's good music. It's boring. So, eh. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's so lovely, and I'm just like, I would Wait, rather well, make did, Okay, or did you did you like flower? Because if you didn't like no. flower, then it's probably the Who same. Like flower. Flower no. was fun. I, I like the idea of flower. Does that count? Yeah, I liked the idea too. And I always am such a sucker for those games. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be deep. It's gonna be amazing. That's a, that's what everyone said. The other reviews on Papo and Yo was like, if you liked Journey and Flower, you'll love Papo and Yo. And I was like, no, nope. no, 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 no so anyway, so uh, I, I also played that, and it's fine. If you can get it for two bucks, it's worth it. If you like those tranquil crap games, but uh, <laughs> otherwise, not crap, not crap, but like the crap-like tranquil game. It's it's too indie for you, Alex. <laughs> oh please! It's too artsy. Oh please! Because you artsy. Too not too artsy. It's too artsy. Hey, you're looking at the one who did the <laughs> video game art video. I get it. It's just not something I want to play. I'll like watch a little <laughs> thing about it or like appreciated in an essay for my freshman comp class, but I'm not going to like, play it. I'd rather play something that you can play. But anyway, it was fine. <laughs> I want to kill stuff. So that's, that's a yeah. <laughs> kill stuff it or would maybe be hard to kill in a more direct manner. But anyway, that's what I played. Okay. Well I guess that means it's right. Yes, no? 
Okay. Um, mm -hmm. So I've got three only three games. Yes, I'm sorry. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> um, as usual, my go-to when I have downtime, I've been playing Minecraft. Sorry, Sam. Um, but I've also been playing Hate Plus, um, which is the sequel to Analog oh. and Hate Story. Yeah. Um, I'm about a third of the way through, I believe. Uh, it's it's interesting so far, but I haven't had time to really sit down and see um, how the story will change yet. Um, and then I also played, uh, started, played, and finished uh, Papo Yo, which we will be talking about later, so I will leave it at that. Okay. Sarah? My Sarah? <laughs> um, I just finished playing uh, Brothers today, so but that we'll talk about later. Um, and also Valiant Hearts, not too long ago, um, which we'll also talk about later, I guess. Um, <laughs> You've had an emotional week. <laughs> <laughs> I know, the feels are strong um, recently. But um, I've also, I started, I'm kind of late for the curve. I've been playing Infamous Second Son. Um, my brother got it, and so I was like, hey, can I borrow it so I don't have to? <laughs> so that's what the nice thing about family is you share. So that's good. So I've started picking up that. I'm not very far, though, yet. Um, and also Animal Crossing New Leaf. My town is slowly coming together. It's kind of hard to juggle four different characters, though, so. <laughs> Do you have four different accounts, or is it yeah, four I characters? Yeah, I was juggling, too, and that was a lot. Well, you can, like, you can create extra people to live in your town. I think, technically, ah. it's supposed to be for other people who are using your DS and who want to play, but, like, they wouldn't be, they don't have access to, like, the mayor... Um, level abilities, but they can live in the town as like a citizen, basically. And people, okay. mm -hmm. but people just create extra accounts to hold um, patterns because you can only hold so many patterns on one account. Right. And hold items and collect more things. So I created more accounts so that I could have more patterns to make my town look nicer. <laughs> nice. Wendy. Awesome. Um, well, I have been playing, speaking of playing old games, um, I've been playing Age of there? Empires 3. Am I not talking? I can no, hear you. I hear you. Okay. How about I jump in and then we'll, we'll hopefully she'll pop back in. Uh, uh, no, uh, Wendy's... I think you're the only one missing her. <laughs> Am I the only one missing her? Yeah. Yes. Seems to be. Maybe it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Age of Empires, um, which I got for like $3 during the scene summer sale. Hmm. Um, and let's see, I got it, my husband got it, one of our good friends got it, my sister, her boyfriend, my father, our dog, <laughs> cats down the street, right? So, uh, and we're really bad because none of us have really played RTS games before. This is like our first one. I feel like we're two decades late to the genre, um, but here we At are. At least you can all be bad together. That's... Yeah, exactly. So we only play against computers. We don't play against other players because <laughs> we're so bad. Um, like I, I refuse to play those anymore because my friends adored them, and they played them into the ground, and they were so good and so competitive that if I even started to jump in, 
there was there was no way I was going to be creamed, <laughs> so. Yeah, none of us really played them, and I was like, well, it's cheap. Maybe we ought to give it a try. I played a lot of RTS, and it, HF, it was not my favorite one by any means, and I will say that you are probably way better off just playing the computer because <laughs> it's... You're you're making the right decision. I don't know if that's the first one I would have picked up, but you're making the right decision. Well, it's simultaneously my favorite and my least favorite, I guess, since it's the Fair only. Um, and I have been playing Divinity, um, which I did my review for, and gave it a very solid. There are worse games out there. I think that um, I play with my husband. We play co-op together and if you have somebody like that that you game a lot with and you want to play a co-op game then I think it's fun for that. Um, and it just has some interesting twists on the RPG genre for co-op so that's pretty cool but if I were going to sit down and play an RPG like just on my own I definitely wouldn't pick it up. So, yeah. And then Borderlands 2, also I've been playing. Because co-op. Big co-op week for me. Co-op's fun. Lots of co-op. I love co-op. If you have somebody to do co-op with, anyway. See, and that's, I play games. That's sad. I, I play so late that. at night that nobody sad. wants to co-op with me. <laughs> <laughs> there was a we, game. We tried to co-op a few times, Sam, like with WoW. We just well, you know, that doesn't count. <laughs> Coach co-op. Uh, what was it? <laughs> I was at a, I was at a Target. What was I getting? I don't. And I was asking him like, uh, he was like treating me like a total idiot. I don't remember what game I was getting. It was a couple years ago, and he, I was like, okay, and he's like, well, this, this is for. It was right when 360 came out, so he was like, this is for 360, not regular Xbox. Do you know the difference? And I was like, oh dear God. But anyway, I was like, is it couch co-op? And he's like, what is that? I was like, I feel like the term is totally self-explanatory, you idiot. Even if you had not You know what I mean? Like, is it online or is it couch co-op? Uh, maybe it was when the Xbox One came out. I don't remember. Regardless. That's really Sorry. Just girl. You're stupid. Of course. You, know, right? you, you don't play games. There's a, there's a co-op that just came out. Uh, it came out on the 4th. Um, I didn't. I, I couldn't afford to to grab it because it was fifteen dollars uh, on Steam. But it's Second Chance Heroes. It looks like it'll be. It looks like it would be fun um, for co-op play. Um, it's it's basically the world has gone to hell because we've been inundated with kitten videos and oh, ads. I like it. And so the heroes are like Abraham Lincoln and a chain smoking queen. Elizabeth and Napoleon riding a cannon and like all these all these historical figures that you can co-op play up to four players and oh man this is add, so adding it, to it the wish list now oh <laughs> got it you can buy a four pack for forty four ninety nine oh that looks like fun it looked like fun I just Saving. I wasn't sure who I would play it with and money money is money so I. I don't know, money I just... is money. <laughs> money is money. Hate yeah. is gonna hate. Money is money. I have to... <laughs> exactly. My whole family plays games. Well, most of my some of my sisters don't, but uh, mostly they all play games, which is pretty awesome. My brothers what play your... oh, sports games. It's not fun. 
if you're looking for like a fun co-op, um, especially also for kids because it's kid friendly, uh, and if you still have your PS2, um, I really really enjoy Cookies and Cream. Um, my parents got it for me and my brother when we first what got is the Cookies PS2. And cream? It's this cute little <laughs> game about like two bunnies. And they're like siblings, and they have to help each other get through puzzles. So basically, it's like it's like you're solving puzzles, and one will be on one side, and one will be on the other, and you're helping each other get through. And you can only get through if you work together. And you can play it single player, um, and it kind of becomes like a sort of similar control wise to like brothers, but it's more fun <laughs> if you do it two player because then you're working together, and you're like. Hey, can you go over here and like open this door for me? And like, you gotta make sure the you. The Adventures of Cookies and Cream. Yeah. So it's like Portal That's Two. It's on, it's on PS3. PS3? I have it for PS2. Hmm. Maybe they updated it. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I just looked it up, and it's like 9.99. Nice. Digital download on PS3. Oh, maybe yeah, because it was originally PS2. Maybe they put it on PS3 as well then. That's a good sign. So it's like Portal 2 with less snarkiness and death gas. Portal I think my PS3 would freak out if I actually tried to play a game on it instead of just using it as a Blu-ray player. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> yeah, Portal 2 is co-op. You... I was unaware of this. You didn't know Portal 2 was co-op? It's the best co-op game ever made. I was just <laughs> playing the storyline. I didn't know. No. Okay. No. All right. All right. No explanation, just no. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell Kale we have to go back and play it again. It is the best. It'll be the relationship test. If you can pass playing Portal 2 together and not kill each other, you'll be alright. I'm not worried about that. I think we'll, I think we'll, we'll, we'll laugh at it. I put my blue portal here. I know. No, no, that's not... Do you not see? Do you not see where <laughs> you, you put the blue see? portal? You're not tell. Oh, what's you that going to do? And then I'm just going to keep jumping through it forever. <laughs> Good gravy. <laughs> I want to go and tell you what I played. Okay, tell us what you played, Sam. I'm going to save the best for last. <laughs> oh, I, okay. I know what that is, looking at the notes. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> um, well, PlayStation Network had a sale on this week, so they had like their two-for-one bundles and some other stuff that was like 99 cents. So I picked up Harvest Moon Back to Nature <laughs> for the Vita. Or, oh, yeah. That's definitely not the best. Going. No, it's not. <laughs> they're but cute games, though. Yeah, they're, I mean, and it was still cute. cute. If you're getting it for 99 cents, you might as well get it. And they're fun games. games. They're cute, but man, they're repetitive. Yeah, but they're fun an unbelievable amount of time on that game already. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because it, it just, like, sucks all your time dry. I know. It's like, <laughs> And then playing it on the Vita, it's like, it's playing it on the Vita, because that game originally came out for the PlayStation, for the PlayStation? Or was it the PS2? Um, that one, I think, might have originally came out for the PlayStation. So it's trying to map PlayStation controls onto a Vita. Hmm. Um, so it made, it had a pretty steep kind of learning curve just in terms of buttons and such. Um <laughs> So a lot of time was spent just trying to figure out what the hell I was doing. Um, but then after that, it was like, oh, well, I'm going to walk around. And then it's like, 
really? It just took me like three hours to walk into town and talk to one person, and now yeah. I'm supposed to be in bed. Mm-hmm. So That's I had to figure part. things out. You know, it's like, okay, so one day I can tend my farm, and then I have to go to bed. And then one day I can go to town, and then I have to go to bed. <laughs> and one day I can go mining and harvesting, and then I got to go to bed. No, that's exactly uh-huh. what I did too. I got I got really into Harvest Moon for a while, and like, I I was going through my um my files on my computer, and I pulled up it was like a document about Harvest Moon, and I had like detailed schedules for every day. Like this day is for farming and planting, and this day is for fishing, and this day is for like wow. town socializing, and <laughs> yeah, that's it, that's like a detailed chart like that for day. That's just silly. Yeah, I, I barely need to feed myself every day, much less chart out my harvest moon time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, for 99 cents, it was a good deal because mm-hmm. I've already gotten way more than my money's worth out of it. I'm and I'm still playing it. <laughs> um, I've been playing more Professor Layton and the Miracle Mask which is not the current, but the last um, ver- the last uh, Professor Layton game on the 3D, on the, yeah, on the 3DS. Um, so it was the first, I think, 3D game. Um, <coughs> uh, Professor Layton game, that is. And you know what? I have played all the other Professor Layton games, and I really love them. Mm-hmm. This one, I really hate, and I'm just kind of forcing myself to play it. Didn't you say that before, like when you first started, that you didn't really like it and you were just kind of like, meh, with it? Yeah, and I went back to it because I was like, I paid for this game. I'm going to fucking play it. Uh, yeah, so I'm not going to play it. Yeah, I'm not going to play it. I'm not, I'm going to get, I have to admit it. I'm just not going to play that game. Um, so, yeah. Um, oh, I played the fifth and final episode of season one of The Wolf Among Us. Um, and I highly recommend that game to anyone who likes comics for one, um, to um, Telltale games for another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and I had, I had never read the Fable comics uh, until I started reading, until I started playing this game and it actually made me go and start reading the comics. Because um, it's interesting. It's got a great story. Um, and it made me want to know more. Nice. Um, yeah, so. That's always a good feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's always fun. And um, my last game, and as I wrote on uh, on the actual <laughs> show notes, God help me, I've been playing more Nino Cooney. <laughs> 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 well, he was sick. Oh, um, man. So uh, we have a rule. Huh? Oh. Yeah, no, I know. That was horrible. P was sick. Uh, and uh, we have a rule about sick days. Sick days are for watching TV and playing video games. Oh. I was hoping she would say Mario Kart. Or <laughs> That's the sick day rule ever. <laughs> anything That's other than goal. what she said, which was Nino Cooney. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, and you can't Nino. deny you can't deny at that point. No, you can't. So, <laughs> um, 
And that's really all I've been playing. Like as another week of another week of uh, lots of handheld games and smaller games, except for yeah. Nino Kuni. Um, so yeah, I guess that's my that's gonna be my summer game. I've been doing the Farmville too a lot too. It's like the only thing I, I was can play without the internet. I played through, and uh, tonight I did not get the uh, summer quest. Oh, oh no. I didn't finish really? the summer quest in time to get my dog. If it makes oh, you feel any no. better, there's five parts that you have to do to get the dog. No I finished dog. the first part. I was so excited, and I only got the stupid gnome, which does nothing. <laughs> does nothing. Yeah. Well, and yeah, it worked I, so I, I hard. I made so many grilled cheese sandwiches. The last thing is the dog. Yeah, I'm on the final oh, stage. No. On the final stage. You're on the final stage? How many yep. hours did you play? I did all week? of it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just <tell> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, that's so disgusting. I have to admit this, okay? I have to admit this. I know no shit. Um, I have to admit this that the that one there was one stage, not this last stage, but the stage before. I was like, if I don't power through this, I will never ever get this done. And it was on the weekend, thank God. And um, and I was doing stuff, so I was doing it between doing stuff with P. But I played all day long. I played my phone dead, and then I plugged my phone in and picked up my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> So Me I too, but I still only made it through the first section. I can't believe you almost no, got there. I played all day long. Like, literally. I had Farmville 2 open all day long. Apparently you have to work really hard to get the dog. If I had done yeah. that, yeah, if I had done that like two or three more days, I would have gotten it. But I wasn't, after I did it that one day, I was like, what the hell am I doing? This is Farmville. Can <laughs> we go? Go ahead. Yeah, I I would love to spend some time at some point talking about. Uh, well, and I see that. I mean, I see what you're reading when we get to that, yeah, Alex. Say, That's like why I wanted to jump perfect. in and transition. Yeah. To that. So why don't you do it? Because you've ahead. actually got some. You've been doing some reading on it, so go for it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm teaching a class in the fall. I'm getting my Kindle out here because. You, so if you have Prime, do you guys have Prime? Yes. Mm -hmm. So you, I don't know. You probably all know this already, but I didn't know it. You can have access to Kindle's loading library. And get a ton of books for free, a ton nice. of books, yep. and you just loan them, but you have to have your actual Kindles or whatever. <laughs> so anyway, so um, I I got this book. It's called uh, hold on a second. What's this piece of shit called. Uh, okay, so uh, the video game addiction for parents. Um, and then there's like nice six thousand subtitles. <laughs> oh yeah. So okay, so I'm teaching a class called Children, Adolescents, and the Media: The Culture of Video Games in the Fall. And um, the textbook's already assigned, and one of the things, of course, you have to talk about is violence and addiction, right, to any media. Because um, it's not a video game-specific one, but I'm doing the video game angle because that's my media expertise. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so I, I got this book, um, and it is just the biggest piece of shit you can possibly imagine. It is everything that is wrong with studies of video games. I'm writing up an elaborate review on Amazon to do this because there was reviews that are like, oh, thank you, I'm a parent, I've been struggling. So here we go. Here are the signs to look for if your kid is addicted to a video game. Are you ready for this? This is actually written in an actual like book. I'm not kidding. This exists. Uh, much of their free time spent playing video games. Whoa. I, I guess that makes sense. 
uh, fatigue in school, because that clearly is not normal for kids. Uh, not keeping up with homework assignments, because no kid would do that without an addiction. Nobody problem. ever gets behind. Right. No. Not submitting homework on time. That's the same thing as the last one. Uh, lying about <laughs> computer usage so the privileges will not be removed. <laughs> I actually did that, though. That's Everybody <laughs> does. Everybody does all the yeah, time. That's Every kid in the history of kids have done. Did you watch TV today? No. Did you listen to the phonograph today? No. Okay. Uh, I lied about phone use so that I could talk to my best friend. Oh, for sure. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, choosing computer games instead of hanging out with parents. Not kidding. <laughs> Not kidding. <laughs> Uh, moody, cranky, or agitated. Not to mention this list is not uh, uh, parallel like their wording, but that's one of them, because no kid would be moody without addiction. Uh, <laughs> Especially teenagers. Uh, I mean, teenagers are never moody without addictions. For sure. Uh, no. Losing interest in real-life activities. Because, <laughs> you know, socializing yeah. with your friends on the internet and things like that are not real life. Getting stressed if not able to play. You as a parent trying in vain to reduce playtime, exhibiting defensive behavior, or hiding feelings. Now, 99% of this list can just be kids being kids anyway. Right. Um, There's there's maybe two things on there that seem like they might be legit. Yeah, so here it is. So playing video games for more than six hours a week is one of the things that warrants considering going to a video game rehab clinic. More than oh, six hours per week. What? This was published in July 2014. I'm not kidding. That's less than an hour a day. Indeed. Yeah. Um, I don't or think shows, that it, this, this is my favorite. Is... The showing signs of tension when expecting the release of the latest game. <laughs> I'm addicted. I don't think this person has like researched actual game addiction where they play until they pass out or there's nothing about or drop out of school or or reality yeah um so there's all sorts of things here and of course they want you to go to a like clinic like some sort of video game clinic he probably like owns one or something he also refers to the author also refers to um like for example here's a sentence it's safe to conclude that that it is crucial to find ways that you're to reduce your child's downtime at home, in particular those times when he's alone and he wants to play video games. So of course it's the he throughout the whole thing. Right. Again, July 2014, not 1991, not 1987, not even 2000, 2014. <laughs> uh, if your kid is, it is like, and the other big thing is if your kid tries a sport and doesn't like it, then you need to put him in another sport. You can't have them playing video games. Oh my god, it was just, Aww. it is the craziest thing I have ever read. And there's all these parents that are reviewing it and being like, oh, thank you, thank you so much, I didn't know what to do. No. Like, you were no. the worst. Oh, no. You were the worst. <laughs> so, Sam, I'm pretty sure that you need to be locked up. Apparently. So that's what I read. Because I played more than six hours of Farmville in one day. In a day. (laughs) I know, and that was a week. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot to to tell you the best part. So he goes over the this research institute that's trying to fight video game addiction, right? And so what this research institute did, they took all these kids their parents had reported as being addicted, um, and they made a video game 
Oh yeah, that makes sense. For them, <laughs> where they they go into this game world, and then there's like there's like teachers and parents and other kids, and they like study who they interact with, like the psychologists like study, and then based on like who they interact with, they get certain prompts like maybe you should talk to a peer or like that's appropriate to talk to a teacher about, and so like all of these things at the beginning because he goes on this huge tirade about how video games are made to be, oh, I this are made to be addictive, right? They're not made to be addictive for any of the interesting actual reasons, like the, uh, um, like the uh, uh, what's the rat and the the rat and the pushing the lever. What is that? Does anybody remember? Uh, that? The... Blah blah blah. We made a whole. We did a whole video <laughs> as on we it. All, as we all blank, but um. So, oh god. But anyway, any of the actual interesting reasons, like the different timed stuff and all that. That they're actually addictive. He says it's like they're they're addictive because they have high here's his list high scores, which is highly addictive. You are able to beat the game, highly addictive. There's leveling up, highly addictive. There's role playing, dis and discovery and relationships. And these are all the reasons why video games are so horribly addictive. There's Wait, real reasons you, they're addictive. On. Video games are bad because they have relationships in them. Well, let me just go ahead and read you the little thing here. Wait, I'm confused about why... That sounds like real life. Online, online role-playing games allow you. people to engage with other players. This online community turns into a place where they can belong and be accepted, which pulls them back in again and again. <laughs> That's why I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't understand what... Okay, he says video games are addictive because they have endings. So ev that so list is everything them. in your life. It's education, it's friendships, it's life, it's life, it's life. Like, what? What? It'd be like if a five-year-old tried to write a book about video games being addictive, and people are reading it. It makes me so sad. I'm leaving it. <laughs> so, yeah, we're all good addicted. Good God. That's what I read. You especially, Sam. Apparently. Get ready. I'm going to tie you up, put you back in the car, and bring you to a clinic. Yeah, the one that that guy owns. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it must be effective. It has to, because there's no reason to write that crap. God. Anyway, well, I thought I would share that with y'all. I just like how their their video game is like a video game intervention within a video game. I know. <laughs> what? And that would be called I mean, like, bad game trying design. to get you off crack. Here, take some of this parent-administered crack instead. Like, what are you talking about? How does that make any sense at all? Well, at least that way you know they'll play it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure not. I'm no. sure it's terrible. Probably <laughs> I'm so saddened. Wow. Anyway, well, someone else go ahead. <laughs> I'm too depressed now. <laughs> Can't go on. What Should about I move us into what we're reading? Go ahead. What do you, you? Yeah. What are we reading? What are you reading? Okay. Um, so this uh, this week I've been kind of working through House of Leaves, which I talked about on another podcast. Love, so that's love, love, really love, fascinating. Love. Um, yeah, ex excellent so far. I'm I'm not very far in it, but it's so complex that it moving in a linear fashion is kind of hard. So um, it's still fascinating though. There's so many layers. Um, I've actually been reading the Sandman comics or graphic novels for the first time. Um, kind of felt like that was appropriate because since um, Wendy 
decided to do, I'm sorry, what was the name of? Divinity. Divinity? Okay, I was going to say that and like, I think I'm wrong. Um, so since she was going to do Divinity, I'm going to do Wayward Manor, which was co-written by Neil Gaiman, um, or Gaiman, so I'm super excited for that, um, for my Power Hour review this week. And then uh, rereading Odd Thomas, um, because I actually saw, uh, I see a note on the Google Doc that Alex saw the movie. Um, uh, I just watched the movie on Netflix, and I was really hesitant because the I movie's love that never book. as good as the book, right? And I love the book, and I was I was a little weary. It was actually a pretty good, um, a pretty good representation of it. Actually, very close for you know for what you can do with a limited time. Um, the book is astoundingly better, but not in a way to be detrimental to the movie at all. Like I I enjoyed watching the movie, but I started reading it again because it made me nostalgic and I wanted to go I like back. the uh, I like the response to someone saying something like that which is you know why I liked the movie better than the book no reading 2 hours <laughs> yes <laughs> yes that's fair it takes a lot less time um, no, I actually, actually was looking at it on my Kindle today I almost bought it and then I was like but eh, but I'm glad that you that you liked it I I actually highly recommend it, and the whole series is fantastic. Plus, um, if you don't want to read it in that form, they actually moved, uh, before they did the movie, they made Odd Thomas into a graphic novel. And it's surprisingly true to the book. I mean, it's basically the dialogue without the narration behind it, and it's it's really nice. I, was, I, I skimmed it because I already owned the book, but it's a good choice. Sarah, what are you reading this week? I, I just have to interject really quickly. Someone in our audience, yeah. Don, uh, found out the name for what we were thinking of. It was Skinnerbox. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Don. <laughs> I haven't, to be honest, I haven't really read anything, I think, since I graduated. Well, you've been moving a lot. You've been bouncing back and forth, so. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like... Forgiving if I, summer. <laughs> if I have time, I'm, I'm taking a trip up to Canada, and it's like a 12-plus-hour bus trip, so there will be books. <laughs> Unfortunately, the electronics can't last that long, so got to supplement out with other things as well. Yay! <laughs> Rolling on. Um, well, I will say quickly that I feel like Immediately following a graduation, not reading anything is 100% the appropriate response. <laughs> right? Like, don't you just need to let your brain leak out your ear? It's summer. Yeah, you have your, like, summer summer break still. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's been proven for higher intelligence that you have to let it rest between big periods of stress. So. Yeah. There you go. You're just extra um, smart. <laughs> so I have been reading... Whole bunch of articles lately on uh, online communities. I'm getting ready to start working on a project with one of my friends, Doug Iman, about uh, communication and Elder Scrolls Online. Ooh. Mm. So we recorded like 20 hours, 30 hours of game chat, and now we're going back and analyzing them. So I've been reading some like a, you know, like the classic uh, Nardi life. The, Night Elf Priest and some various other stuff about online communication. 
Nice. Yeah. Hmm. It's like work. <laughs> because it is. <laughs> oh, there you go. Like work, only <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of cool. Well, and it's nice. I like reading some of the old WoW stuff because then I get to reminisce to back before I thought that it started getting dull. Oh, those were good days. <laughs> yeah. See, now, now we're going to start. So if you start talking about WoW in the old days, we're going to start sounding like old people. Back like, in remember my Remember when you walked to school 20 no miles way. My dad convinced me they shared one shoe among the four children in his family. <laughs> get our hands to us. We worked for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Sam, what you been reading? Well, I've been reading as I talked about earlier, uh, Fable comics, um, and I'm really enjoying them. Um, I was out today, and I was like, oh, maybe I should get some more Fable comics. Uh, <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, I did, um, but I probably will soon. Um, yeah, addiction. There we go. <laughs> so, so does that guy say anything about you know fable about comics and what 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 qualifies as addiction when talking about comics? Um, he um, doesn't actually say anything substantive about anything, so I would be shocked. I'd be shocked. <laughs> well, I'm interested to see when he says I'm addicted to comics. He's gonna get you. You be addicted to everything. You're addicted to life. Oh, he can suck it. It is just the worst. Um, I'm gonna write a whole review on Amazon, and it's gonna be scathing. So get ready. Please do. Let us know. I will. Maybe that'll be my post for Monday, huh? Yeah, it should it should be a joint post slash Amazon review. I think I'm funny. gonna do that. Maybe I'll start a new thing, like Three Wolf Moon, and I'll like write this glowing review about how he just like shined light on humankind and such. It'll be amazing. <laughs> or like the the big pens for women. Have you guys ever read those reviews? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, sounds like a good book. Yeah. We ought to buy it. All right, the second thing that I've been reading is actually something that I'm rereading. Um, it's something that I've read and I had uh, assigned in a, my summer class, um, and I'm rereading it for a project that I'm considering working on, doing whatever you want to say. Uh, it's A Mind Forever Voyaging, A History of Storytelling in Video Games. Um, it's by Dylan Holmes. Um, I know that there were chapters in it that Jen hated and uh, <laughs> <laughs> only only really the one <laughs> but that, that one was a special special <laughs> chapter yeah it was a special special chapter um, but it's really <laughs> interesting um, when he goes through um, a series I think 15 games um, and talks about storytelling and elements of storytelling in each of the in each of the games. And there was one chapter that was pretty disturbing, but we won't spoil that for you. The rest of the book was not terribly bad. Um, <laughs> That's a resounding endorsement. It is a resounding endorsement. No, some of it is, is very it was, interesting. It interesting. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't know that it can necessarily be called kind of heavy-duty scholarship. Um, but it is exactly what it says it is. It, it looks at storytelling elements in games. Um, and that's a lot of fun. Um, and it kind of, it brings back some kind of 
feelings of nostalgia for some of the earlier games. And actually reading through that book the first time and even reading through it the second time um, is making me want to go back and play some of the games that has been a while since I've played. Um, so it's an interesting and it's, it's an interesting book and it's, it's well written um, for the most part. Um, and uh, definitely worth checking out, especially if you like it's only like ten. I think the Kindle version was only like ten bucks. Um, but yeah, so those are the things that I've been reading. Um, nothing exciting or too terribly exciting lately. I need something new and exciting to read that I can carry with. I, I've been reading stuff on my Kindle because I can carry it with me. Um, but you know, <clears throat> I want Fable comics on my Kindle. <laughs> then life is nice. over. Then life is over. I want to. I want to be able to read my my Sandman comics on my Kindle. Do they for sure not? Uh, they don't. I know. I know that tricks, they like, might be. But I've got. I've got an old Kindle, so it's not going to display anything like that properly. Um, because so, they've started I'm, putting digital comics and stuff. I know. Oh, they have, and there are yes. digital versions, but I just I, I can't access them in mine. But not Fable comics. Mm. All right. What are you drinking as I refill my cup? <laughs> Water. For me. <laughs> <laughs> Water, AK gin and soda. <clears throat> Indeed. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I've got apple cider. Like real apple cider or hard cider? Hard cider. Hard, I'm sorry. Hard apple That's cider. That's my new thing. That's my new thing lately. I love those. I love it. It's yeah, it is gluten free, and exactly. um, I don't know. There, it's good. It's good stuff. They don't like it. All right. What about you, Sarah? Sarah, I don't have anything. I'm actually really thirsty right now. I'm like, hmm. Oh, and well, you should drink. be for forgetting your forgetting your drink when you started the podcast. <laughs> sure, it's cool if you're not reading anything, but you better have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Our priorities. The only alcohol that we have around here are like hard liquors. That's too much. That's for me. the best kind. <laughs> Definitely. Wendy, what you drinking? Uh, I have a Cab Merlot. Mm, tasty. Fancy wine or tonight. I like it. Oh, I know. Well, Representing up north. We live like five minutes. I'm Finger Likes. Like the second best wine group. <laughs> wine That's what I said. Representing up north. I love, I'm, yeah. I love your guys' wine. We have a, I have a winery getting... like five minutes from my house. It's not, it's not good. It's not good. I, that would be dangerous for me. It's quite dangerous. They know me. They know me. <laughs> dangerous in the best possible way. <laughs> like, like making living. We're getting commissioned today, kids. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it's my turn. I am drinking something new. Oh. I actually received this as a gift. I'm going to turn on my camera because I've been. I have my camera off because my kids been running in and out half naked. Um, <laughs> look at this. It's backwards. Evan Williams? Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's called Kentucky Slush. 
It says ready to freeze <laughs> or pour. Sounds classy. It, it needs a spigot. It does need a spigot right here. Well, because you're supposed to freeze it until it's slushy. So oh. you can't really put a spigot in it. Um, and because I just stuck the whole big old, like, gallon bottle in the freezer, it didn't freeze. <laughs> so I had to I had to pour it over crushed ice. But it's bourbon with lemonade, Yum. orange juice, and sweet tea. You had me at bourbon. Oh, really good. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing at me, Sarah? No, I was laughing at Alex. It was just like, just the bourbon. It was a it was a gift from a student, and it's actually really good. Um, wow! I need your students. That's a fancy gift. Should I have gotten you a gift? Can we, Sarah? Why didn't you can ever get me a gift? gift? I know. Now I feel bad. Like, should I? You have should. We can give alcohol as gifts. <laughs> we can get yes. only pre dissertation. <laughs> Aren't you not allowed to have alcohol on campus? It's not on campus. It's oh, not please, Sarah. But, but the transaction was on campus. <laughs> Come on, are not you fine? Please. You can't. You, no, no, no. You can't drink alcohol on campus. You can transport it. You can drink alcohol on campus. I've consumed it. And you can drink alcohol on campus if you have a special permit. And also in the that room in the union, you really can. Where they have the bride. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. There's a special permit on campus that you have to have to serve alcohol at a function, and you have to use the union's alcohol service. Or you could just do it. Or you could just do it. Well, that's what I've heard. I've never done that. <laughs> um, can I go? I'm gonna have to dip out in a little bit. So can I go ahead with my indie game of the week? Sure. That doesn't bother yeah. news. News? Are you okay with that? I'm okay with that. Great. Um, so my indie game of the week. I'm really excited to talk about it. It's called Farm for Your Life. It's by Hammer Labs Games. You guys didn't talk about it last week, right? I had the same thing in there, right? No. Yeah. Okay. So it was a Steam Greenlight game, which is fun, right? You see one of those come to fruition. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a casual horror game. I use casual lightly. We all know how we feel about the casual game label, which usually means for women, right? Uh, and so it's awesome. So you start at the beginning, and it looks like a Farmville-style type of game, right? And you, um, your farm, there's this huge storm that came through, and your farm was destroyed, and, like, your cow got, like, taken off in some crazy oh. tornado. Betsy, very sad. <laughs> Your poor cow and your and your chickens and your all your um, stuff gets taken away, um, and so you have to re and your uh, you have to restart your it's you and your father and you have to restart your farm. So you're like trying to wheel and deal, but there's like thugs and there's like but there's some people that are like like there's this craftsman who doesn't know how to cook, so he wants to like trade with you. So if you like make him some meals with your farm and whatever, and then there's thugs that come and take all your stuff. So then you're like chilling and you're like so you plant crops and then all of a sudden it turns into Farmville. So you're like planting crops and you're like and then it also turns into like Cooking Mama or Cafe World or whatever because then you cook these crops and then you have to go make these recipes. And it's really interesting because to learn a recipe you actually have to chop vegetables in the air. So like if it takes onions and tomatoes and and pumpkin. You have to, like, all these vegetables are flying through the air, and you have to, like, chop pumpkin and onion and tomato so and like get it to fall into the pot. Yeah, I was going to say, so so which is exactly like Fruit Ninja. <laughs> and it's so hard. Like, it's so hard to do. It takes, it takes me forever. And it slows down if you don't get it. So it's like, okay, you suck. 
So, but anyway, so it's, it's really fun. So then you're like chilling and whatever, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these zombies come out, like attacking you and eating your crops, and you're like, what the hell? Like, I thought this was a farming game, and there's zombies everywhere. I don't get it. So you have to build. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's so you have to build like, you have to build like pumpkin cannons and corn cob slingshots and stuff like around your perimeter and then you have to harvest all this food not only to like cook to the incoming people who are like traveling the world and like to be able to make usually make like electronic scraps to trade with like the tradesmen nearby uh, but you also have to like farm enough stuff so that you have ammo to fight off these zombies on the way uh, <laughs> but it's even better than like the farmvilles and stuff like that because there's an actual ending like you go out into the wild and so eventually the scientist comes and he's like, I think I can cure zombieism. So you have to do certain quests to get him to the point where you can try and cure zombieism. And there is an end of the game, which is good because otherwise you just go play forever, like Sam with Farmville six hours a day. So um, I got completely addicted to this game, so much so that we bought one of those converters like to plug your computer into so I could play it while we're in the RV, like driving down the road. There's a dog fight. But... Um, <laughs> Anyway, so uh, it, it's amazing. It's only ten bucks. Farm for your life. Hammer Labs games. Well worth it. I loved it. I loved it. I haven't said that about one of my indie games of the week for a long time. I know. I haven't. It has my full endorsement. Hi, so. Harvey. My kitty. Hi, kitty. Oh, kitty. She's coming to say hello. <laughs> my dogs are in timeout because I don't get along with my in-laws' dogs yet. <laughs> Big as a brat. <laughs> well, yeah, we knew that. Indeed, because he's so spoiled. All right, Sarah, what you got for news? Okay, news. Um, <clears throat> I think my most interesting news of the day um, is that Activision is being sued by an ex-dictator of Panama um, because his uh, his name is. Uh, Manuel Noriga, I think, um, and he was in Call of Duty Black Ops 2, um, and he thinks it is, quote-unquote, a blatant misuse, unlawful exploitation, and misappropriation for e economic gain. Um, <laughs> interesting, which is interesting. I think it, it reminded me of, and I didn't talk about this in a different, in another podcast, um, but Lindsay, I think I heard that it was like Lindsay Lohan had also sued. Grand Theft Auto 5, Grand Theft Auto, yeah. yeah. And so it's like, I wonder if this is going to become a trend now. Oh, no. <laughs> We're like, well, <laughs> still didn't people. Kim, didn't Kim Jong-il just sue that movie as well? Or threatened, no, sorry, threatened war over a movie as oh, well. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think I heard that, yeah. yeah. He, I, I find it funny because I don't know anything about him really as like, uh, historical figure or whatever, but he stated that the game depicted him as, quote, the culprit of numerous fictional heinous crimes creating the false impression that defendants are authorized to use plaintiff's image and likeness. This caused plaintiffs to receive profits they would not have otherwise received. It's like, That's, you're, yeah, apparent, it's like right. dude, you're a dictator. Like, <laughs> fair game, Goodness. I think. <laughs> it's like, and I want my cut. I want my cut of being the heartless dictator in this game. Uh-huh. Yeah, he he wishes to collect for lost profits. <laughs> nice. 
Because oh, he was about to put out his own game that would have been just as popular and made just as much money. <laughs> yeah. Barely representing his dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> it clearly infringed there. I'm just interested in seeing how this is going to end up. Mm-hmm. If not, it's going to be ignored as it well should be. Hopefully. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, also, for I know that a lot of you really like Don't Starve, um, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of Don't Starve fans at home too. So, Don't Starve: Reign of Giants expansion is coming to PS4 next week. Um, available for five or four ninety nine, and PS huh. Plus members will get a ten percent launch discount. And it says so, it has new characters, seasons, creatures, biomes, and other challenges. As if Don't Starve was not already hard enough. Right. <laughs> I don't know who else has played that game, but that game is enough to make you want to do bodily harm to yourself. Oh, it's impossible. <laughs> it's so impossible. Yeah. But I kind of love it anyway. Yeah, I know. That's what it seems like. My, I know that my brother and even Dan were like working together at one point to try and get through it, and they seem to really enjoy it. I haven't actually played it yet, but apparently one of the extra new creatures is giants, so... I'm sure that will turn out well for your poor well, little that's character. That's going to make it so much easier. <laughs> and year-round starvation. Struggle through a full year of seasons as you experience the torrential rainfalls of spring and blistering heat of summer. That is not okay. <laughs> I don't have a PS4, though, so I'm stuck with the P- with the PC version. You'll, you'll, get, the, you'll get the DLC, too. <laughs> they're, adding, they're adding more female characters, though. Wigfred, a stage oh, that's actress. interesting. It says a stage actress who went too, a bit too far with method acting on her latest role and an ancient Valkyrie. That's Ooh. interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a Valkyrie. But we'll just see how much sooner you die then with all these new things. Sounds like fun. And then my last news is that um, apparently... So, Sony is really unsure about uh, the future of the PS Vita, specifically in Western audiences, and um, it's looking doubtful that there will be more Western, like, AAA titles that are put on the PS Vita. Um, so it's kind of precarious situation, seeming. Well, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how well it's doing in Japan, and, um, but... Well, I mean, the the DS has such a like stronghold. Yeah, right. That it, it's impossible to even you know think that you were gonna sell, you know, get a good install base in Japan. Yeah. Plus, um, I mean, handholds are not just like for kids by any means, but I feel like a large portion of the handheld audience is is kids, children, and like the DS is definitely more child friendly. And but I think that that's always right. been the state Nintendo of like Sony's versus Nintendo handhelds. Weren't like, the Japanese numbers something insane? Like ninety percent of women in Japan had DSs. The numbers that came out a while back in the number of, of the I'm number sure. of install base in Japan was like insane. I have to go back and look that up. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm googling. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's why it, it never made sense to me um, 
you know, why anybody thought they could even touch that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. And I'm like, what is it? Yeah, it was something crazy. I can't. I think I might see things, but I'm not sure. Nothing pops out right immediately. But right. yeah, I feel like it's just well, maybe really. We'll have to look for that later. It's really yeah. hard for for Sony like to compete with Nintendo in that sort of handheld regard. Oh yeah. Maybe later iterations will end up being more successful. I mean, Nintendo had a stranglehold on the industry for a long time before um, others really started to kind of take get get a foothold. So um, it might not do so well this time, but maybe another iteration will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Those are numbers from 2010, though, so that doesn't help. Yeah, well, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I always feel, I always feel like you know, a punch in the gut because I'm, I'm always an early adopter, and then I get stuck with something that you know. <laughs> no other games are coming out for you. I never learned my lesson. I never learned my lesson. Well, but see, sometimes it pays off for you. So now you got the Wii U, and now you know you're getting games. The 3DS yeah. got games, so eventually it took, it took a while. comes around. It took a while, man, for the for the 3DS to get games, and the games that came out for, at first on the 3DS were so horrible. Mhm. So, but you know. Oh my God! Somebody's car alarm is going off in my parking lot, and it's been going on for about five minutes. I was wondering if that was somebody. I peeing. really. Do you want me to mute this? Because it's no, you're fine. driving me crazy. It's not very loud. <laughs> I can't even really hear it, okay. actually. That's good. I can. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So let's just jump into our issue of the week, which is going to be a fun one. Um, we thought it would be fun, we use that term loosely, to talk <laughs> about <laughs> to talk about emotional games. Um to talk about emotional games, games that um, have given us kind of um, emotional slash slash visceral reactions. I think more emotional than visceral, mm-hmm. um, because those are, are very different things in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, because there was a category in uh, during the Steam sale that was called emotional games, right? Uh, and it was one of the ones that you could vote on um, for the flash sale. And interestingly enough, it didn't make. It didn't get voted on enough to actually become like the sale, the flash sale for the eight hours or whatever it usually is. Um, I, that was an interesting thing to me. I was like, hmm, is it? Are they too touchy feely? Is this like? What were all the ones that were on there? Uh, Papa, Papa and Yo. Uh, Brothers, um, oh, what else was on there? There were four. I don't know. Did we lose Wendy? Because she might remember what the other I don't two were. remember. Was one of them like, okay, because I she went in their Steam tag now, and I'm looking through. They have, like, Gone Home. Um, Gone Home was one, and To the Moon was the other. And Yeah. Okay. okay. So yeah. those were the four. I want to get one home. 
I'm, I'm holding off till next month, but I want to get that one. I got it. Yeah, it went on. That's I actually got it on Steam sale. That was the only game I got because I saw it for. It was like selling for like two dollars. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna oh, on god, this. I'm so sad I missed it. Yeah. Oh man, because yeah, it's like the... twenty now. Mhm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Those were the four though. So it was Gone Home, To the Moon, Papa and Yo, and Brothers were the four games that were considered emotional games. Um. And I think I've played all four. I've played all four of those. Nice. I played. I played three or four. So. So and so we thought it would be interesting and a kind of a fun thing to talk about emotional games or games that cause an emotional response. Um, and, you know, everybody knows that I have a thing about uh, games where children get hurt. Well, worse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, for a number of different reasons. Um, and, and I think it's gotten much worse for me since I've become a parent. Um, parenthood changes you, man, in some real ways that you never expect. Um, but uh, just in terms of the, even in terms of some like some of the more recent games, and I actually wrote about this on the blog at one point, is that To the Moon is a game that I played because I needed an emotional game at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking for a game because the the premise of the game is that you know you are um, the the protagonist is is dying. Um, but can can go through this service that allows you to, um, in the last, I think, 15 minutes of your life or whatever, relive your entire life um, and make different choices. Um, and but what it does is, because I said last 15 minutes of your life, is it basically burns out all of your life energy, and as you finish that reliving, you actually die. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, you know, and I, it was a game that I, I was looking to play at that moment because I had lost a lot of family members recently and it was causing me to rethink choices that I had made in my own life. And I was, and I was like, yeah, I really want and need to play this game right now. Um, and I think that that made it even more emotional for me. Um, kind of like this weird games is therapy thing, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well, man, it's that classic like catharsis idea. It's more productive than ice cream, so. <laughs> yes, it is, <laughs> especially when you're lactose intolerant. Well, I mean, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, fiction. One of the, one of the functions of fiction is to take a scenario that is, seems unbeatable or is unbeatable in the real world and to turn it into something that echoes the truth of that but, turn, but makes it conquerable yeah. or makes it accessible. Because um, sometimes it can't be conquered in fiction but sometimes even just accessing it in a different way um, can help you to actually see how you can deal with something and I mean that's it's one of the reasons that that children's stories are so powerful and they're a huge part of growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, is learning learning possibilities and learning agency through through fiction, yeah. um, and so I think video games like this they definitely fulfill that function. I mean, it's it's a beautiful game, yeah. and it's a really it's a really interesting mechanic. The idea of going back and changing this person's past so they can achieve that that ultimate desire, that ultimate dream. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and and it was it like like it was a beautiful game for one, um, and the the story. Especially with I mean the graphics are so simple, but the yeah. music is stunning, and then the story is just well developed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. If, I mean, and I definitely it was it was it was an interesting thing, right? Because it it gave me kind of a vehicle for rethinking my own narrative through this other narrative in a way where there was this this buffer, right, between the two as well, right? So it became a less painful experience in many ways, but it was still a very it was still a very emotional experience for me. Um. Yeah, and I'm I'm really glad that that game existed at that moment, right? Because it was what I it was what I needed at that moment. I don't know. Is that just me? Has anybody else had that kind of experience with a game before? Or is that just me? And my I think if I'd come to this? no, I think if I'd come to Papa EO um, a few years ago, I think it would have been that for me. Mm-hmm. Um. Even even so, uh, tackling a game that I can't I like it's it's most definitely a metaphor for for dealing with a parent with substance abuse, but it's it's so thinly veiled as to not be veiled at all. Um, they make it pretty clear uh, through the flashbacks and through the little scenes that that are interspersed through the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I if I had come to that a few years ago, uh, because that's that's been a slow process of coming to terms, and I think that would have been a huge catharsis to see this embodied so well in in a form of fiction, interactive fiction. Um, it was it, it was powerful even even without me being in the immediate necessity of it. So I didn't I didn't quite come to tears, but it was pretty damn close. Yeah, I don't think I've I've particularly like turned to a game for catharsis, but definitely like think I I could see that um, if it was if I did have like that sort of moment and had gone maybe, um, but then also. That definitely doesn't mean that I haven't <laughs> that I haven't cried during a game. Um, definitely, I, I I cried at the end of Valiant Hearts, <laughs> and I cried a little at the end of Brothers. So that doesn't mean they're not able. <laughs> just not yeah. even not having that like catharsis moment is still definitely able to get you attached and really into the story enough to really care um, and feel emotional attachment. Yeah, brothers got me. As as yeah, brothers. Oh man. Go ahead. What can I say? No, just that that mechanic is both so well done and so painful. Yeah, yeah. that's what got me. It I, it was yes, the narrative was was bad enough, and and because Wendy, you haven't played this yet, have you? Um. I got really frustrated at being bad with the thumbsticks. But that's important. <laughs> no, know that. No, seriously, know that because I was I, yeah. I did the same thing when I started to play this game. I was like, this is the worst game ever. <laughs> I was like, the mechanics on this game are so horrible. And then you realize that it's intentional. And and one at that same moment that you realize that it's intentional, it becomes a lot easier, 
at least that was my experience. Did anybody else have a similar experience that once you realized that that frustration with the thumbsticks was intentional, that it was in t uh, that it became easier for you, or you didn't I think, struggle? I think I, I I went in expecting it to be difficult, and so I was pleasantly surprised by the controls. I think because I I kind of braced myself for impossible controls, and they weren't impossible. They were difficult, but not impossible. So. Right. I think that that really helped with my patience level. Yeah, and but I think by I... then I I also already knew where the story was going to go, so I I was pretty tolerant of of the mechanics yeah. as a whole. I think I I cheated. Yeah, I think it seems like I cheated in that regard because yeah, because I knew the mechanic and I knew like ultimately where it was going, not exactly what would happen, but like ultimately where it was going. So I think mm -hmm. I understood better. But yeah, I, mean, I can't. If I think maybe like something like that would happen, yeah. If you were doing it and you were totally unaware of what was going to happen or anything like that, I yeah, was spoiled was... by our games class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry. basically, that's okay. Yeah, I, it was like hey, I don't mind spoilers. I'm okay with it. Yeah, me too. Well, see, I hate spoilers, but anyway, <laughs> that was it was okay for me. And and that was that was what got me. Right, is because because even though it's a it's a fairly short game, it's only a couple of hours long. Mm -hmm. um, so as you start getting used to the mechanics, and then the mechanics change on you, that brings about a connection between the story and your bodily presence. That's like a fucking gut punch. At least it was for me. I was. I. I mean, I felt it. Um, yeah. In a in a way that I don't think I would have, if I had not had that kind of interesting experience with the mechanics of the game to begin with, and then had to think specifically about what I was doing with my body in order to play the game. Um. Yeah. That that game was so incredibly well done, in terms of thinking about them. In terms of, I mean, because that's something we don't think about when we think about. I mean, we think about mechanics, but only in terms of how intuitive they are, right? It's like, do I know where all the buttons are? Is this easy to do? Can I reach all of these things in order to do the combos and do well in this game? I mean, that's the way we think about mechanics when we think about games, for the most part. We don't think about the mechanics as a narrative element. And yeah. in that well, we tend game, to think the, the good mechanics are the mechanics you don't notice. Right. Like we, we tend to like um, like any system, we we complain when the system that most systems are invisible. Um, they're real, they're structured, they're they're set up for a reason, but we don't notice them until they break down. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and so normally we get really frustrated with mechanics when they seem to be broken or when something seems wrong with them. Um, mm -hmm. Which makes Brothers very frustrating if you're not anticipating that. Um, mm -hmm. But that awareness becomes such an intentional part of the storytelling mm -hmm. um, that it, it's a really interesting play on how we think about uh, our connection to games. And I think it was... I Yeah, because when I got to that point um, and I had... And I had... I wasn't, like, I knew, yeah, I had heard about it in class, um, but I wasn't really exactly sure, so I got to the point where you have to swim, and I was, like, trying to do it, and it was, like, not working at all. I'm like, why isn't this working? 
and then I started swimming, you know, with the um, the brothers half of the older brothers half of the controller. And it was like um, at that moment I was like, yeah, uh, that was a very very relevant and very well done um, way of incorporating narrative into the gameplay and like giving um, the gameplay and game mechanics significance through the narrative. Um, and I think that that's probably one of the best examples I've seen of it. Oh um, yeah. In that moment, so I was I, but also I I'm guilty of being specializing a lot in the narrative aspect. So I <laughs> I focused a lot on that, and I I was very impressed by that particular scene mm. and area. Yeah, that that was that was the moment Sam, that I started just, to cry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I I think um, Sam, it's slightly off topic, but on on that idea of something we do because we need catharsis in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think emotional games have a lot of functions. Like, we we go to an emotional game for a lot of reasons, and I think that the reason you went to To the Moon is an in- incredibly valid and uh, probably a common, uh, a common core for a lot of people who choose to do games like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a gaming correlation, but it is a similar type situation. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, um, it was the end of a school year, and so I started chemo and everything at the beginning of a school year, and I was bound and determined that this traumatizing, horrible, massive thing was not going to stop me from doing the things that I loved. And one of the things that I did every November was National Novel Writing Month. And the idea of teaching full-time and coaching the drama team and dealing with chemo and writing a 50,000-word novel was a little bit overwhelming. (laughs) And so in in that time, and I actually did it during chemo, was I was writing a story where the protagonist of the narrative went through chemo, like was diagnosed with cancer and was a young woman who hadn't been expecting it. Um, And... Uh, to this day, I hate that story with the fiery passion of a thousand suns, but it is also the only nano I have not only reached the 50,000-word goal, but actually finished to completion. Mm-hmm. And it gave me... A, and I know someday I will go back and I will read it, and it's going to hurt like hell, but it was a way for me to kind of chronicle what was happening at that time and be able yeah. to express it through somebody who was not me. And that... That was really important to get that distance and to get that outside view. Um, And I think it it sounds like that's what Into the the Moon was able to do for you is is to let you kind of see what you were going through, but not tunnel like funneled through your own only through your perspective. Um, And so I think I mean the completely valid reason for coming to these kinds of games. Yeah, no, you're you're spot on. Um, with you know, with kind of the rationale, and that's that's exactly what I kind of needed to do. I needed, like I said, I needed that buffer between me and what mm-hmm. I and what I was going through and what I needed to think through, and that and being able to um, navigate similar experiences through a through a protagonist who was not me. Um, yeah, gave me what I needed. To, to one, you know, make it a less 
make it not, not necessarily a less painful experience, but a less personal experience in some strange way. And it gave me some of the and yet personal to think about enough. It. Right. Yeah. Well, it I gave, know, like I, I told you, I had to take a break from Papa Leo when I got to the point where this mysterious girl appears and tells Kiko that he is the only one that can cure monster and I'm like okay yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take a break for a second I need to walk away from this because that that sense of responsibility mm -hmm. on on any child who's been in that in that circumstance I'm like I I can't deal with this right now we're gonna we're gonna take a break not just on any child but on any person right who's been in that been right in you're right situations mm -hmm. right is, is that sense of responsibility. Yeah, no, you are spot yeah. on. Trust yeah. me, I mean, I, when I played Papo and Yo, I was like, oh, it's a pretty game. And, and I started it. It was late. I remember this. I started it. It was late at night. And I was like, I'll play a little bit of it, and I'll come back and play some more. I sat there, and I finished that entire game because I, yeah, could I couldn't stop. Mm -hmm. I had to play through. Um, and, you know, there are things in that game that there were moments when things happened and you were like, what what the hell just happened? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Oh, God, the toy? Well, when Monster the, breaks the toy? Yeah, the toy. Lola? And, yeah, the, and the girl. Have you finished mm -hmm. this game? Yeah. And oh, the girl. I finished the game. <laughs> yeah. I think I think I think the toy resonated even more because that that actually happened with me um, with with the toy being broken because of that. So that actually, you're right. That the girl is was also a just a heart stopping moment. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, these are some powerful games. Yeah. And there's and there these smaller indie-ish titles, right? Um, you know, mm -hmm. like like uh, Valiant Hearts is the one that came from Ubisoft's kind of yeah. pseudo indie. Ubiart, um, I think is yeah. Ubiart. Mm -hmm. Ooh, ouch. And then uh, Papo and Yo is uh, Minority Games, and Brothers mm -hmm. is actually Brothers is another big studio. Um, I'm drawing a total blank. Uh, I will look it up. Oh, that's what I'm doing right now. I just played it today, and I can't <laughs> tell you. Uh, Starbreeze. Starbreeze Studios. Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah, Starbreeze Studios did Brothers, and then um, To the Moon is actually um, one of the small... Um, it's a very... It's a, it's a, it is a true, like, indie game. It's Freebird Games. Um, but they made it yeah. using... Um, Uh, VX Ace. What is it? RPG Maker. RPG Maker. Yeah. Oh, really? It's, yeah. It's made using RPG Maker. It's a like small indie studio that's made. You know, just you know, once again, this this thing comes out of the basement, making this game. Huh. Yeah. And powerful piece, man. I feel like a hippie, guys. I just said that. I think. <laughs> I think one of the most fascinating things for me is that, like, a lot of times emotional games seem to be these interactive fiction type things. Um, so, like, there's a 
there's a, a, a depression game that's literally playing through depression, but it's it's yeah. a choose your own adventure type thing. Depression. Um, there was a game that we read about. Yes, uh, there's a game that we read about. I can't remember the name of it now, um, but it was an interactive fiction that dealt with um, a parent who was molesting their child, and like it. You don't realize what you're doing at the beginning. You work your way through to the end. You see the the response, and then you have a chance to change it or, you know, figure out what's happening. Mm -hmm. It was a very convoluted mm -hmm. game, um, but that one again, choose your own adventure. Pretty you know, pre not very you know game like, more fiction. Mm -hmm. Even even though um, Analog a Hate Story definitely has game like qualities, it's still very much in that interactive fiction genre. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that to me that these games, they're not interactive fiction. Like Papu Eo plays like Portal. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's got the, it, the the puzzles are a little simpler, but they're still. I mean, it's still finding the puzzles and learning the mechanic, and then using it in these different settings and combining things in new ways to get the effects. It's very much like the Portal gameplay, mm -hmm. um, and. The storyline is actually very abstract, other than these these really concrete, uh, flat like flashbacks or you know real world uh, scenes. Um, and so you could, I mean, you can play that as just a game. It's mm -hmm. not until the the end scene that you're really forced to confront the interactive fiction part of it. Same with Brothers at the at the climax or um, to the moon as you start to deal with mental illness and the and and that that interaction with with death. Yeah. Yeah, that's a Yeah, those are some those are some like I said powerful games that make you think about kind of important and often silenced issues in mm. our own in our own lives in some really interesting ways. Yeah, and I think that and what going off also what you said about how like they're, they have like themes that are resonating. Um, and Valiant Hearts tackled World War, World War One, which I feel like is mm -hmm. often neglected, especially like in um, this sort of gaming uh, games and everything. Um, compa especially compared to like you know World War Two or something like that. Um, but World War One. I, I mean, I hadn't thought about World War One since, like, AP U.S. history in <laughs> in high school. Um, so it was, like, getting all the facts. And some people, I, I know that I read reviews, and some people thought they were trying too hard to, like, present facts. But I think that what was really powerful, and I won't spoil the ending, I'll be very vague, was okay. just, like, the sense... They, they definitely have a, a sense in the game of how... how like meaningless, like all the conflict is, and how it's just an endless cycle, um, and how really how pointless. Which is an interesting take on World War One. Yeah, and it was just how pointless some so many people died, and um, like for instance, there's scenes you know where the French um, generals are pushing the soldiers into battle, even though they're literally getting slaughtered. And, but they're just forcing them to keep going. And there's no hope that they're going to do anything, but they're still forcing them to go. Um, and it's just, it was just really raw and, and 
I was just fortunate the dog didn't die because I was going to just. So I told okay. you it wouldn't. The dog doesn't die, so. <laughs> um, I knew it wasn't going to. I knew it wasn't going to. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, nope, that's not spoiling anything. I already knew. <laughs> and they bring in, and they bring in, and it's I'm very, sure gonna die. you know, art, <laughs> I know you artistic style, so you don't get like, you know, the gore or anything. But you just see all the destruction, and um, and uh, they open with at the start is like you see they give you a lot of letters. That were found on um, that were actual correspondence between soldiers and their families, and they're all really hopeful letters. Like one was saying, and they're from all different sides of the uh, and different countries and things. And one was saying like, "Oh, don't worry, I'll be home for Christmas," and you're just like thinking, "Oh God, no, you're not." And then it's like, please then there's one. Home. Please be home. <laughs> and then there's one where it um, it was like a Canadian soldier, and he was like. You know, I'm gonna make Canada proud. Like, I'm gonna try and put, you know, Canada like show Canada's like um, strength in this war or something. And that was, I think it was before the battle um, where the Germans had for or yeah, wait, yeah, they start first started using um, the gas attacks, and in that battle, I see I've learned all these factoids about World War One now too. Um, it was just used, yeah, like on the on a primarily Canadian army, and um, you know they Spoilers had no Spoilers. <laughs> they had no idea of like how to defend against it, and even like you find little items that are um, you know relevant to the war, and one of them is in that area is a urine-soaked face mask because that's the only thing that worked against the gas attacks, um, and it's just oh. it's just really like really very raw and just when you know just when you think the characters are done they get sucked right back in um, like they'll they'll finish a mission you know but then you know they'll get found again by the military and sent to another position another post and I just think that it was a really it was a really powerful comment on just how just how hopeless it could have been and like how many how many of the lives are like were torn up by it, and you don't really think about it, really, um, just how many people had died. But they present to you that not only in the tales of just like, because these are all people who you know they were hero, they're heroes in their own right, but they're not like the war heroes, quote unquote. Um, they're just the average, you know, the average kind of person who would have fought and would have served and such. And I think that it was really powerful in that regard. Yeah, I'm. I I haven't had a chance to play the game yet. I I bought it and downloaded it and haven't had a chance to play it yet. But I'm really looking forward to it because I've only heard good things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it looks like a great game. It does, and 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 that that's the thing about like war movies. Some war movies like um, stuff like Saving Private Ryan and things like that that are very personal. Not that war movies are not personal because war is a very personal thing. Um, but very specific kinds of war movies that I feel like this game is a lot like have been the only kinds of movies that I have not been able to watch because they're just too they're too much 
for me emotionally. Um, and I think that that's probably part of the reason that I, even though, I, like I said, I bought the game and I've downloaded the game, but I have not yet played the game. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I want to play it. <laughs> and I can't remember who had made a comment, but someone had made a comment that um, that there weren't there weren't really any um, you know media that didn't you know valorize or like cast war in like a you know a heroic sort of context. Mm-hmm. And I think the game does in a in a small degree. I think it's hard to escape from, um, but I think that that's definitely better on the better side of things. Um, in a way, it was like a less, it was it was a less, a slightly less sad version of, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of, it's a, it's a Japanese anime movie, uh, Grave of the Fireflies. Mm-mm. Oh my god, mm-hmm. so sad. I don't know if Sam could get through it, because it's children. Um, oh yeah. Right. I, yeah haven't, it, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I know what it is. It, yeah, it involves uh, two siblings, like two young children, um, as they're trying to survive in Japan during the bombings. Um, and so, and and people have said, like, critics have said, like, this is the only movie that portrays war in, like, a completely not, there's no sense of, like, you know, the heroicness of war, like, anything like that. Um, and I agree, it's super super sad. So <laughs> I don't know if Sam could get through it because it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> it is very much children and dead children. Um, so but yeah. I I don't know. I I think that you know the game is Valiant Hearts isn't perfect. Um, and like they could have incorporated the little factoids probably in a more seamless way. Um, and that you can't really hear. Uh, interesting thing is they don't have the characters speak, and they kind of have dialogue, and you can kind of tell what they're saying, but it's kind of like muffled. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. you get a gist of what they're so saying. So possibly need better voice acting. No, I think that I think, and I think some people were having problems, like saying that they couldn't relate to the characters or something. But I didn't have that problem. I felt like they were very relatable and in their struggles um, and like how their stories would be actually realistic and true to life because one you know is it falls four main um, and one is a he was a German born man who had moved to France and had gotten married and had a son and he was basically banished from France uh, because they were sending all the German natural Germans back to Germany and then uh, forced into the German army, and his um, his wife's dad was living with them, and he was then forced into the French army. So then they meet each other like on the battlefield um, while she's at home. Spoilers, woman. Take... Spoilers, woman. <laughs> it's not really a spoiler. They're it's just... a spoiler. It is beyond twenty minutes into the game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, all the all the first stuff, the description stuff, all happens at the very start. So that's not a spoiler. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, but then obviously she, then she's left at home taking care of the kid on her own. Um, and one is a, uh, she's like a, a army medic, um, who is yeah. trying to get her dad back. 
um, after he was, uh, he's like in Belgium and she's trying mm -hmm. to get back to him and um, things like that. So it's really, I, I think it is really, I don't know, it's just, it seems like a very, Relatable. yeah, good portrayal of where we're one in. It's, and it's a respectable portrayal, um, and I think that it really, it's like, you know, it honors them um, and doesn't, doesn't gloss over any of the, <laughs> any of the things by choosing to just focus on, like, you know, the typical war hero kind of these stories. That's good. I'm 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 anxious to play it. Like I said, I was a little skeptical at first. So I'm like, it's gonna be horrible. And I know when the and the trailer the trailer made me cry when they showed at E3, and I'm like, oh god, god the trailer. <laughs> like, the trailer is really sad. Like it's it's sad. Um, the trailer's terrifying. The trailer. <laughs> Yeah. Trailer is like your heart is going to shatter into a million pieces. <laughs> Play our game, yay! Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So you'll have to tell me when you what you think after you finish it. Well, I'll probably you know depending on on uh, how I feel when we're done when we're done talking tonight, I might start playing it because now I'm anxious to play it. <laughs> we'll see. But I think the interesting thing about these games is they're all like, yeah, they all have that the indie um, portraying like artisticy style, um, very like narrative heavy. Like War or Valiant Hearts was mostly puzzle based, and they weren't difficult puzzles. They were kind of like the puzzles in Child of Light, um, although yeah. some of them were a little more complex, but nothing too difficult, um, and sim pretty simple like mechanics and gameplay, I'd say, but I think it's interesting that they all, all of these games have that shared, I feel like it's shared in common, really. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it was interesting about a lot of these games that have those puzzles, like Child of Light, and like I said, I haven't played this one yet, but they make those puzzles uh, purposely simplistic enough that they are there so that they can call it a game. <laughs> um, but what it really is is an interactive narrative. Yeah, because like the Child right. of Light puzzles, it's like, really? I got to do this again? It's the same damn puzzle I did five <laughs> minutes ago somewhere else. Really? And I have to do it again? Yeah, at least the, at least the, the Papo EO puzzles, they, they were simple, but they were all different. Like yeah, each they, each one had different, different mechanics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those... Yeah. Those were easy to figure out. Like I figured them out faster than I figured out the portal ones. But not they weren't necessarily like immediately like, oh well I know what to do next. Um, to the Moon is a little bit more simplistic as far as game mechanics go. I mean it's it's fairly straightforward in the in the puzzle format. It does fall a little bit closer to interactive fiction. Um, though it does have game elements for sure, more than um uh, Analog, um, but I, I think Papo Eo did a pretty good job of, of finding that balance. Um, but they do they do tend to run that run that line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and the thing is that like Child of Light had they had the the combat too, um, so there was that part. Mm -hmm. um, but Valiant Hearts doesn't have that sort of like combaty. But I I will say that the puzzles are. They're more certainly more varied than like in Child of Light, 
the puzzles, I mean, there are some similarities between some of them, but, you know, the context changes. So then, therefore, the puzzles have to change, too, because it's not, you know, going to be the same thing every time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think, hmm. I, once upon a time, I think I would have, I would have not ever thought that I would want to play these kinds of games. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's an age thing, but I think it's a maturity as a gamer. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Is is expecting more from my games now than I did before. Right? I I want more from my games than just running and gunning. Yeah, I still like mm -hmm. running and gunning games. Don't get twisted. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, it, well, and I, I think we've we've seen a bigger trend too of AAA games that are starting to delve into really complicated emotional context. Uh, context. I mean, you look at you know the Bioshock games, um, Infinite especially for the narrative part, but I mean all of them deal with incredibly complex topics and emotional topics. Um, and then I mean I know. You know Sam, it's your favorite game ever. Um, but I actually just had a great conversation with uh, Kale about Red Dead. Um, <laughs> with well, and and we were comparing like he and I were comparing um, Tomb Raider and like the way that physical assault and sexual assault really makes more of a statement in Tomb Raider um, because it's the the intensity of it, the immediacy of it, the inability to walk away, like it's much more intense within the Tomb Raider games. Mm -hmm. um, whereas the emotional impact, uh, you know, he was saying it, it really disturbed him, that it, it really bothered him, and especially um, the rape in the streets, like those are the only, uh, only non, like, obvious criminal characters are the only town characters that you can kill with no ramification. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Which is an interesting game mechanic, yeah. um, but but like the the way that like physical violence towards women there wasn't really made a focus, but you've got the emotional impact of the story and the the way the investment and the time that you put into this character and his respect for people, his respect for his family, and everything that goes into that, and then how that makes the the ending that you have no control over just hit you like a sack of bricks. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we were talking about the, the strengths and weaknesses when you have a game that's very much shooter-oriented or quest-oriented where you're just kind of running every day as opposed to these five-hour, you know, ten-hour games that are so focused that you can get these really intense directed narratives. Yeah, I think... I mean, because because Red uh, Red Dead, you know, has you know its own issues, and it was interesting because I was interesting when the uh, last Anita Sarkeesian video came out that she also pointed out things about Red and the, the prostitutes in Red Dead, mm -hmm. right? Because they are yeah. kind of the characters that you can one you can kill without ramifications, two that others can kill without ramifications, okay. um, and then like the mm -hmm. the scene that she shows when you go to you you can go and you can like kidnap. The prostitute and throw yeah, her like, over the back cool, of your. Cool. Is that isn't that like I can't remember exactly and I haven't actually played it but like you like kidnap them for like quote unquote like their own good like to get them out of it or something. 
Right, but then at the same time... I don't know that quest. No, but I mean, I'm not saying that that's a good, like... You, yeah, it's not necessarily a quest, but you can, you can do it. And throw her over the mm-hmm. back of your horse, but then all the time, she's still offering you sexual favors for money. Being horse-tied mm-hmm. over the, and thrown over the back of your horse. The narrative. Oh, <laughs> uh, goodness. I mean, and, it, and it's, you know... It's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking? You know, one yeah. that's, that's horrible dialogue. That's horrible. But to have it continue, right? Yeah, because I mean, like the the dialogue for the other NPCs that get thrown over the back of the horse, which is any criminal you manage to hogtie instead of kill. Right. Um, their dialogue changes. So why yeah, the hell no. didn't they change it for? Yeah, nope. it's like a, you don't know if it was a purposeful thing or if they were just like, oh, we'll just have them say the same thing, you know, like a more like well, a but even, father but changing. But that falls straight into the same category as Ubisoft refusing to do female avatars. Like, it's not necessarily it's that it's a grievous oversight so much as it's the fact that they felt it wasn't worth the effort, it's or they it was it was worth overlooking because it's not as important because mm-hmm. it's a female NPC. Um, like, it's 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 important, it's significant in its inattention. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how some of those things play out. But I, I mean, but just at, for the context of our discussion, I think that um, AAA games can deal with some pretty intense emotional moments and storylines but I think that part of that is limited in the fact that the games need to be playable for a much longer period of time. They also mm-hmm. need to be replayable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, rather than having a very focused storyline where you can play it again. I mean, I've played, into, uh, I've, I've played to the moon again getting ready for this podcast. Um, but largely speaking, it's not one that I'm like, I'm in the mood to pick this up again, the way I might go back to Final Fantasy VII for the upteenth time and be like, let's try this again, even though I know every single thing that's going to happen. So there's, you know, you can't focus it as much as you can with some of these small indie games that are really intensely focused on narrative. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, and they feel very, they're very chirotic. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, and I think that's what makes what is one another thing that makes them very difficult to just kind of come back to, kind of on spur of the moment, right? In the in the same way that you might go back to Final Fantasy VII or the way that I, you know, traditionally replayed Grim Fandango every year, right around Halloween, mm-hmm. or right? Is that yeah? I'm so happy that's coming. That they're getting, they're finally doing a reboot of that. Um, or a Remake. I actually remake. When are they going to give me my remake of FF7? You can't. I want no that, way. damn it. That is never good. I've been waiting for forever. <laughs> it's never coming, but I will hold out hope. It's like people who want Firefly to be reinstituted. The right. hope will always remain. And that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Um, no, but what they said is that <laughs> once they finally made another um, Final Fantasy game that was as popular as that one, they would remake that one. Oh, that makes sense. That actually but does make games, sense. But the game is going to be hard, though, because... never going to happen. 
Because they also now have the nostalgia yeah. factor tacked on to just, you know, good game in general. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. <laughs> well, I mean, it, you could get a game that's similarly powerful. It's difficult, but I mean, if they were to do it. But I can see why they would refuse. Because mm -hmm. if they can make as much money as they can off of the original Final Fantasy VII in its format, current format, mm -hmm. then it's not worth a remake unless it starts losing sales to something else. It's just unfortunate, because that'd be awesome. It would be. I love that game. <laughs> Alright. Well, my, on that note... My heart. Oh. Oh. We've lost people. No. <laughs> on that note, yeah, we have. We've, we've been going a while, and we've lost a couple of folks because they had to leave for various and sundry reasons. Um, I guess that brings us to the end of our discussion about uh, emotional games. Um, if folks, listeners are out there and want to talk to us more about emotional games and games that you have um, had emotional reactions to or played for emotional reasons and want to share and, and kind of participate in the conversation after the fact, please feel free to send us an email at nymgamer at gmail.com or you can send us a voicemail using that handy-dandy voicemail widget either on our um, on our blog or on uh, our Facebook page um, or you can send us video mail or what have you. Send us whatever you need to send us and we will respond in kind. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining us and talking to us and listening to us talk about our emotional games in episode 82. And gosh, next time we'll be doing episode 83. These numbers are good. We're gonna hit double. We're gonna hit triple digits soon. What are we gonna do for? Yeah, what are we gonna do for? We need to do something special for 100. Yeah, we need to do something big for 100. We have to figure out when it's gonna fall and start planning. Got some brainstorming. Yeah, start planning because that's only what 18 episodes away. Yeah. So, 18 times 2. <laughs> 36 weeks. And then... <laughs> so that's what? Three nine months? We might have to, yeah, we might have to like, cheat and step up some to two, two, one every week for a while to get there faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It was like nine months. Actually, that's a fairly long time away. <laughs> It'll be here before you know it, apparently. Um, so, uh, yeah, you can contact us in all those various and sundry ways. You can also follow our daily blog posts at, uh, nymgamer.com or, um, if, uh, you know, blogs are not your thing or Facebook's not your thing where you can like us at Not Your Mama's Gamer, uh, and Twitter's not your thing where you can follow us at, at nymgamer. Uh, you can, <laughs> um, you can always, uh, Follow us on Tumblr at nymgamer.tumblr.com. The 100th episode is going to be April 1st, uh, oh, 2015. <laughs> April Fool's Day. Yay! That'll be interesting. That should make for a fun episode. <laughs> that will be. If I did my math. Yeah, we will so see. We'll... That'll be fun. Um, Sarah, by then you'll have to fly back and join us for um, <laughs> for uh, for our hundredth episode. Um, 
so until then, folks, um, thanks for joining us. Thanks again for joining us for the 82nd episode, and we are really looking forward to talking to you for the 83rd episode. Um, so until then, wow, with the polar vortex coming through, it's like <laughs> weird to stay in July but stay warm. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're if you're in the it Midwest hurts. where I know if you're in the Midwest where we are, stay dry because it's been raining every day. And as always, game on. Game on. Thank you.